Hey everybody, just wanted to start the episode off today by saying thank you to our listeners for your support of the Good Life EDU podcast. We are so grateful to our guests each week and to everyone who listens into the show. It's been fun to connect and learn together through these conversations and honestly just feel inspired by all the amazing individuals who are out there and who share the same passion for the work that we all get to do in education. I'm also excited to keep these conversations going, and so today I want to give a special shout out to LaRaysha Kugel for giving us our first official review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, LaRaysha. Uh, LaRaysha wrote, The Good Life EDU podcast does a wonderful job of inviting experts into a conversation about educational best practices. She said she appreciates the variety, relevance, and applicable nature of these conversations and how each podcast ends with ideas on how to enhance education. So I certainly want to say thanks to LaRaysha and for everyone who takes the time to maybe give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, because those pieces of feedback certainly help us to amplify the voices that we have on the pod. Uh, and that's just really at the heart of the work that we're trying to do. And so thank you, LaRaysha, and to everybody for tuning in. And so now, without further ado, we hope you enjoy our conversation with Pioneer Reese's own Brian Buffington. Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I'm hanging out today with Brian Buffington, who is the Director of Instructional Technology at Pioneer Risa in Cleveland, Georgia. And this is a guy I got a chance to meet at the ASA conference. Uh, loved the sessions that he led there. We had a chance even to, to kind of chat afterwards and uh, hang out a little bit. And what a fun, creative educator we've got here on the podcast today uh, to explore a little bit more about uh, leadership and empowering others in education broadly. And, and so really excited to have Brian join us for the pod. Brian, thanks for being here. Dude, it's so good to be here, Andrew. Thanks for the invite. And I do remember it just like yesterday in Atlantic, which is my neck of the woods. And I saw you there. I actually attended one of your sessions and it was fantastic. And it's really about, I think yours was about getting the word out about Risa's and your services. And of course, we got to go ahead and get that figured out because they're all called different things in Georgia. <laughs> They're Risa's. I think in your your place, they're called, go ahead, what, what are they called? Yeah, so we're, we're ESUs. And you're right. It is fun when we get a chance to partner with our colleagues from other states because we've had folks on from Texas with their ESCs, Wisconsin with their CISAs, uh, and so on. And so Risa today is going to be uh, how we're talking about service agencies when we're talking about those in Georgia. That's right. And we're all talking about the same thing. I mean, I love it. And um, again, thanks for having me on the show, Andrew. Yeah, well, and great to connect. And, you know, truthfully, at the time, we're like, oh, it'd be great for us to do a podcast at some point so we can kind of highlight work that's going on in different parts of the country with our, you know, job alike peers here. Uh, and this opportunity came up because uh, I saw recently that AESA uh, is going to have you hosting a session on this very topic about leadership uh, and empowering others. And so, so let's maybe start there. Can you tell us a little bit about your personal journey uh, to the RISA and then maybe how this topic of uh, leadership bubbled up within the work that you do? Awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely. Let's let's do that. So my work in education started as a middle school teacher and went into this world of technology. They gave me an opportunity to work with, with staff and, and other teachers, and they told me it wasn't bad, which I took it as a high compliment as this is <laughs> this must be what I meant I was meant to do. And went back to school, got another degree in instructional technology. Um, I, and I didn't really know what Arisa was. 
at the time. I only the only thing I knew is that Risa would cut me a check. I would I would do some kind of training somewhere, and a check would come in the mail, and it would be it would say, you know, Risa, and it was from a different Risa in South Georgia. And I was like, okay, so this is kind of interesting. These people, I guess, they provide trainings, and you know, they have different consultants, and so. And there was a brief time where I was like, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. And my wife and I were just, we opened up a business in South Georgia. I had a, it was a vintage clothing shop, coffee shop slash music venue. And it was called Buffington's. And it was right at the height of the recession around 2010, which just tanked and it didn't go well. So sadness there. But then the good news is, is I was you know, looking for a job. And I tell you what, I just made a, a blind phone call to Arisa. It's called Pioneer Arisa. That's the one I work at now in Northeast Georgia. There's no job posting. There's nothing. I just call somebody. I'm like, hey, I'm Brian. And the iPad one just came out. I know how to use them. And I like helping teachers with tech. Do you have a job for me? And the lady on the phone's like, call me back in two weeks. I was like, okay, we got something going here. And one of the reasons I like this area is because it's the mountains of Georgia. There's the Appalachian Trail. I like to be outside. And so I was like, yes, maybe I'm in. And two weeks later, I did call. I got an interview and I had an offer at another school or district in South Carolina. But at the same time, I took this one because I really liked the opportunity to provide training and really just crank up innovation where I was heading at that RISA. So that's how I got started into the RISA world. It, it was, um, some might say it's by chance, but I say it's, it, was, it was meant to be. Wow. Well, and how many years have you been there? I've been at this Risa, um, 2011 was when I first started in January. So this will be about 12 years. I, I moved my family up at night. It was like beginning of January. We have a newborn. I'm a little girl. She was only like three, four weeks old. New job. Moved up to a mountain, like a cabin. You know, and this is just something we're going to lease something and just kind of figure out life in Northeast Georgia. And uh, first day, snows, ice is over the mountain. And if you know anything about Georgia and snow and ice, we just shut things down. They're canceling everything, and um, so I'm I'm stuck at home. I only think I have I only think I have internet. We're just stuck at home for five days with my family, and we're like, oh, what have we gotten ourselves into? But yeah, I've, I've been there uh, for about twelve years. Yeah, this sounds like a hero's journey story, right? My daughter actually in sixth grade right now is going through learning about that in school, and as an English teacher with that background, is that when you enter into the new adventure, you end up in the belly of the whale, which is that first initial foray where you go, gosh, dang, things just aren't going quite right just yet. And that's uh, that's so true to form in this situation for you. And uh, I'm sure, though, uh, again, having had the opportunity to attend your sessions uh, at AESA, rocking it now, like definitely taking things in stride. I'm sure I've learned a lot along the way. And um, not to make an assumption here, but I've found myself since uh, the time that I left the classroom increasingly fascinated with leadership and all of the different folks that are in support of that classroom experience across an, an education network in a state. And, and so for you, I guess, uh, where did this topic of ed leadership sort of bubble up in the work that you've been a part of for the last decade plus? Well, this this really started with just recognizing that I have had great leaders and that Anything that anybody watches me do from stage or listens to me in a podcast really comes from leaders who have empowered me. Even my first principal, his name was Marty Rush. Um, actually, he was my second principal. First principal, that's a whole nother story. Uh, second principal, Marty Rush, uh, he, he's where I, went. I did my student teaching. And he said, he said, Brian, you know, I don't have a job for you during student teaching, but, you know, because I, I was a half year graduate. I graduated in December. He says, hey, 
I'm going to try to get you in uh, on the next new school year. And he did. He did. He got me there. And I'll never forget. He came up to me and he said, he said, Brian, I've got some money. I said, oh, this is great. This is great. I've got some money. I said, okay, we, we can work with this. Of course, I'm new. I don't know anything about anything. I'm just trying to survive. He goes, uh, I know you like to use technology in the classroom. Here, we can allot these funds for something that, that you like. So find something, let me know, and we'll see if we can approve it. And we got the, we, we purchased these Vernier science probes. And they actually still use this tech. These are little instruments. They're like very small instruments. It could be like a thermometer. It could be a motion detector, those kinds of things. And what would happen is we had three science teachers at my middle school per grade. And so I was the one who had this stuff. And what we found out is that, and it's kind of been, it's, it's been like the, the mantra of, of all my work is that when you get students in charge of their learning and they're the ones who are doing the things, who are being creative, who are solving the problems and the teacher is inspiring, empowering, and also, also still teaching, let's not you know, shy away from that. That's when the magic happens. And my principal, he empowered me, just giving me a chance to, to buy these, these tools and really see my students make science come to life. Literally, they're like going down the hallway on a skateboard and measuring velocity and motion. It's awesome. And other people are looking at me, giving me stank eyes, which is where that's about the sweet spot in my life. I like to be, I like to be in that part of in, in my world. Like if I'm not getting enough stank eyes, that means I'm not really pushing the envelope enough. So uh, thank you, Marty Rush, for empowering me. And I think that kind of stint, that, that question you just asked, like, how did you get thinking about leadership? It's really started with leaders in my life. And then, of course, I have a huge leader who's in my life right now who's, who's actually retiring from my recess. His name's Justin. And I'm sure I'll talk more about some things that he's do, he does, he has taught me. But I take all these things that people have empowered me, and I I share these stories. I I share some of these strategies with other leaders. And then I'm also, I use them because I lead teachers. That's usually my group. I, I work with teachers. We talk about instructional technology. That's my main gig. So I'm working with them, but it's a special privilege when I get to work with leaders and be like, Hey, by the way, this changed my life. These are the things that other leaders have taught me that I want you to know about. So you can empower the people in your organization or your school. Yeah, there's such a nuanced evolution of those pieces there, because I do think, at least personally, there's a tendency for me to say, well, I'm really just paying forward the lesson that I learned from, I mean, personally, my dad and my grandfather were both teacher educators. I learned a lot from them. Uh, my mentor teacher, when I started teaching, uh, is someone that I still talk to this day, even though he retired several years ago, and, and so we still keep in touch. Uh, and I still think he's the best teacher I've ever seen. And yeah, it, it just... So many touch points along the way with different individuals who craft how we think about leadership and the support that we want to be for others, uh, that it almost seems like, well, we're just doing what so-and-so exemplified for us, but kind of in your own way and synthesized with all the other experiences. And so a moment ago when you were talking about maybe some strategies or some talking points, uh, and again, pointing a little bit to the session that you're going to be leading. Uh, we wouldn't have to get into all of that content, but what are some of those uh, as examples, I guess? And and I would say too, Brian, give yourself a little credit because I'm sure you put your own flair on that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. A lot of flair. So I'll start with one, one strategy, and that's for leaders empowering others. 
is that a leader, if they can be vulnerable, if they could put themselves out there and model what it's like to take risk for their organization. And yes, that, that may require like falling on your face. It may require some silliness. But what I've what I have learned from watching other leaders do this, and of course me also using this strategy too, is that that's that's where the buff magic really happens. And so I just everybody write that down, buff magic. Okay, I'll give you a couple examples here. Okay, so I work I work with a leader friend of mine. His name is Mark Wilson, and he is he works primarily with leaders, and he's like he empowers them. And I'll never forget he hired me to come do a uh, we you know that car karaoke. Have you ever seen car karaoke? You know, and so he hired me to come like capture that because I also have a video background. And so I, I set up his car. I put some suction cup cameras in his windows in the back. Um, I put one in the dash. And we have like like three cameras because I'm that geeky. Three cameras. I put a like an audio recorder there in the middle. I think I put a couple of pels on people. I mean, we're getting highly technical here. Okay. And this is what he did. He would take his, I think he had a Kia at the time. He would take his Kia and we would stage this, but he would go pick up a random principal somewhere. He's like, they'd open the door and be like, Hey, it's Dr. So-and-so. Well, come on in, come on in. This is Mark. You know, they come in the car and there's like, you know what? Let's start this thing out with a song. And they start out with a song and they're doing, you know, like, you know, take me home tonight, Eddie money, whatever that song that that person wants to do. It's a great song, by the way. And after the song, they actually, then they start talking about principal things. And and it's just different for one. It's different. I think, you know, as, as someone who creates content, we're just trying to break through the noise. There's a lot of people who just want to do everything like they see online, you know, just the same old, same old, let's play it safe. That was not safe. I, I've rarely ever seen principals jump in a car and start singing and then sharing the good and bad about admin work. And so just that vulnerability there, and, and he promotes that. And um, I get to work with him some, and he, that's Mark Wilson and my friend, he empowers me to take chances and um, it kind of oozes out for those who have seen me. And he's a big part of that, that puzzle. I love that you're taking a pretty nuanced look at vulnerability there, because I think when we say that word, people tend to think of it in one bucket or another. Well, this is somebody who's very open or maybe somebody who's willing to take risks or, and, but as you said, it, it, it can be in putting yourself out there to seem a little silly and fun if that's not been your persona historically, but you have that within your character to, yeah. to demonstrate. Uh, and at the same time too, it might mean, yeah, being forthright about the, the fact that you're trying something that you've not done before and that you're not really sure where it's going to go uh, and just asking people for grace, uh, input and collaboration and support around trying to build the plane while you're flying it. And that that's the moment or that you know, I even think too, sometimes I've appreciated when I've seen leaders say, I don't know if I'm personally 100% on board with this, but this is where we need to go. Uh, and just calling it like it is and saying, hey, we're all just going to have to rally around something that we might uh, have different opinions and feelings about. But, uh, you know, happy to demonstrate what that looks like, be real with you, and then move things forward. And that vul so vulnerability can look like a lot of different things. And, and that's, you're right. And it's powerful when the leader acknowledges and values other people being vulnerable in the building because, you know, from my talks and I don't know how every RISA in the country works, but some of them, they require a, a good bit of innovation to be relevant, to get the word out about their, their services. And um, that requires lots of research and development. And that's not something educators usually come to the table with. 
And so when I say these things, people do look at me strange, which I take as a great honor. Like I, I appreciate that because I'm, I am trying to push people to think differently and to take the, you know, the great Apple slogan of the, of the nineties think differently. I've got a slide up here and I was thinking about just vulnerability and I'll, I'll talk about my current boss who's retiring. His name's Justin. And I um, mean, we could go on stories all day about this. And that's what people love. People want stories. So when I go places, they just like, Brian, tell me stories. I'm like, you can't sit on my lap, but I'm going to tell you stories. You sit in your chair. And so Justin, I'll never forget. I, um, I had some Bitmoji stickers. As, I, I like stickers as for you know, promoting things. I have some that says I teach things that can't be Googled. I have some that say work your quirk. Some that say I love buff nuggets because that's my newsletter. Well, he saw that my, he saw my stickers and he kind of had some of this idea by himself. He says, what if we took my face, my head, and we put it on a Bitmoji body? And we not only made it like a, a GIF, you heard me, not GIF, but GIF, but we also make it a physical standalone sticker. So we printed out a bunch. It's like a big head. It's got his face on a little suit, a little body wearing a suit. And we made a bunch of these. And he named it. He called them Little Justies. He's the executive director of Arisa, Little Justies. His name is Justin. And he would give them out. I mean, he had like a briefcase full of them. He's like, you know, he's talking about budgets and sad stuff and happy things. And he's like, by the way, you need a little Justy. He goes, this is what I want you to do. I want you to stick this somewhere. And anytime you're like, man, I need help. I need some professional development. I need legal advice, whatever your fingerprinting, whatever your Risa does, they're going to see my face and they're going to call me. And he would write a little note on the back says, call me for anything on this little sticker. And I kid you not, I go places throughout our region. I'm in offices all the time, admin offices, and I see his face everywhere. And it makes me so happy. And guess what? It's also a talking trigger. People talk about it all the time. People talk about it. They're like, that's not common. That is, And for an executive director to do that, that is a risk. And in the education leadership world, you're not usually want to do that. But when you hear stories, you see the value in it. Like, obviously there's value because as a Risa, you want people to call you. And so we, we got to get the word out. And so he's being vulnerable with these stickers. And I just get, I get pumped up about that story. So that's just one of many. And, you know, we got that, got that event coming up. I'm excited about sharing more stories with the AESA small staff community of practice. It's like a, like a job alike group. It's going to be awesome. So if you want to hear more things like this, I'd love to have you all there. Yeah. And I'm glad that you've actually pivot to that. And uh, we're going to continue to talk a little bit more about some of these leadership pieces. Uh, but one of the things worth pointing out, I guess, can you speak to the size of your RISA and kind of the area that you serve? Because, uh, you know, in Nebraska, we have 17 ESUs and they range in terms of the number of students and districts that they serve. What does it yeah. look like for you I'll at tell Pioneer? You. I'll tell you about Pioneer RISA. So we serve 15 school districts in Northeast Georgia, many of which are very rural. We have one school system that is much larger than the others. We serve a total of about 70 plus thousand students. And it is geographically centered. That's how the state government set this up so many years ago. There are RISAs throughout Georgia. It's usually, sometimes they are put in the middle of nowhere just because they're in the center of 10 districts or 15 districts. And so ours is actually in a kind of a small town called Cleveland, Georgia. Fun fact, home of the Cabbage Patch Hospital. So come see me. Yeah. 
<laughs> and they're all and they're all very different. And I, I know what you said. You said, Brian, I got a couple of Reese's that are, you know, it's only there's only like four school systems. Well, we, you know, Atlanta is its own beast, you know, and so there is there is a Risa there who handles those larger school systems. And so they have to think even more creatively about how they provide services because, you know, the larger districts, they have a lot of internal consultants and things like that. So yeah, everybody, if you're rural or urban, you're have to think constantly about how to serve your, your school systems. Yeah. And how to stay in touch and how to keep your supports at the forefront of, like you said, their, their thoughts and minds, whether it's a little justy or uh, yeah. Do you have any other tidbits for us here with uh we got a little bit of time left. So it'd be great to explore another one. This has been we fun. Got time. We got time. I'll, I'll do one more vulnerability and maybe we'll jump into another group here. Oh yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give like just a brief example. You know, we have, I have a superintendent who came to me because a lot of times I'll be invited to the board of control meetings, which are in our state. That's our school superintendents. They're on the board. And so they determine services. It works out well that way, you know, and they, um, they have a say so. And well, I, I showcase tech. And so last, last month I showcased chat GPT, which they have to have me back on another podcast for that. But there's one where we just talked about screencasting. I mean, this is like four years ago, right before COVID. And just like, hey, as a superintendent, how can, you, how can you make videos to get your point across to your staff, your community, where they get to see your emotion? And it's actually quicker for me to make a video than it is to write. And my writing is not that great. But that's why video works. I have a voice, maybe a face for video. But I showed them. And then this one superintendent comes up to me after reasons. He said, Brian, show me how to do that thing. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm, let's go. So we showed him how to use, I think it was like Screencastify at the time. And this is the most beautiful thing. This is what him being vulnerable. So when COVID hit, getting the message out to your community was vital. Some people just dropped the ball on this. They did not do well. He was much more on the forefront of this. Um, and he would pull up on his screen, he'd pull up some data, some like CDC stuff. He'd pull up the school calendar and he'd pull up this thing and you could still see his face down there. And he would lay out the reasonings behind, you know, some of their decisions based in their school system. And they would post this on Facebook or wherever, whatever the medium of that district is using. And it was awesome. And it was not, by the way, it wasn't common. That's not common. And he's being very vulnerable. But by doing that, as a superintendent, like, who are you? Like, all those people who are under you, like your teachers, your principals, they're seeing you lead and take chances and it's empowering. He's empowering all those people in that district. Say, hey, you know what? Communication's key. Here's some tools to do it. I'm just proud of him. And we have other leaders in our region who do the, who do some similar things. Um, and then I'll do one more because I can. I have the microphone, Andrew. I'm going to keep talking. <laughs> Wound you up, Brian. Let's just keep it rolling. I'm, I'm so with you, though, too, on that sort of uh, uh, as leaders demonstrate that vulnerability and willingness to step into new spaces it's then modeled that that's okay for staff which ends up being something that can be modeled then for learners and it's great to watch that kind of trickle down so yeah let's roll with another story it's awesome yeah and so we have uh so we, we we did these um superintendent birthday videos so at our risa my boss goes hey everybody i want you to take your phone and record a five ten second video of you you know, saying happy birthday and something personal to a school superintendent because we have all their birthdays. And so we would send these in like a Google form, something like that. And it would be, and by the way, Arisa is, we asked earlier, what's the size of Arisa? I didn't get to that, but we probably have, 
around 30 full-time people. And that, that's including administrative assistants and consultants. And so we would send these videos in and then either I would edit that and put it all together with some fun music, say happy birthday, that kind of thing. And of course I would like do, I would do something personal. Like in my, if I had five, 10 seconds, I was like, Hey, Dr. Barong, hope you get a big deer this year. You know, happy birthday, just something very personal. And then we put all those in one video clip, sent it to them and it was a hit. And does everybody want to be on film? No. Do you think every consultant at your RISA wants to be on film? No. But when they got to see the fruits and the happiness from these leaders who we work for, we work for them. We provide services to them. It was those eye openings. Like, you know what? I don't mind making a five, 10 second video and saying happy birthday. It's not a big deal. That's a really fun idea. And I, it made me kind of think of two more that I could even layer in, like in support of this too, just to play off of you and say that one, I really appreciated hearing from some principals who started to, so shout out to Danny Beerbaum, write letters to their teachers' families when it was like their birthday or a significant maybe anniversary of them being at the school five or 10 years. And just saying how great that that individual is as an educator and how much they're appreciated where they work. Love that. Love that thought of kind of unexpected recognition, but going to the family uh, and then yesterday I was on a call actually, and some people are playing around with chat GPT, which we just talked about a second ago. Uh, and they said what they started to do within their ESU. So this is a shout out to Laura Plaus is use chat GPT to help create a birthday poem for staff members within the ESU uh, as their birthdays came up and kind of being pretty funny about it uh, and being able to let that sort of drive the creativity behind those. Uh, and I don't have example for you here, but I will do my best to uh, use chat GPT later and send you something fun. Dude, I'd love to see it. Love to see it, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Chat GPT is uh, you know, even, even where I'm at, I have to ask permission. If I go train people, I'm like, by the way, I would like to mention this new use of, of tech district Am I allowed to? And they're like, we don't know. Don't talk about that yet because that's, that's everybody's still trying to catch up. They don't know what it is yet. Um, and so I have to kind of be proactive with chat GPT, but yeah, it's a game changer and there'll be another podcast another day, Andrew. That's, that's a, that's a big one in my world for sure. But let me, let me talk about another empowering strategy. So we talked about being vulnerable and we, you know, most of our time has been spent on that topic, but I want you to also think about, when we give our people, so as a leader, you give the people who are under you opportunities to shine and not just be, not make goofy videos, or happy birthday videos. I'm talking about get them to use their craft and share it with others. And you acknowledge, so what's happening is you're acknowledging their awesomeness and you're saying, hey, people need to hear this. People need to see this. Uh, I need you to go to this conference. I need you to go to this district thing. And that right there is a game changer. And I'm telling you, like I, I've got, so, you know, in my world, I'm mainly working with teachers and I'm going to be honest, Andrew, I don't know how long I'm going to be on this planet, man. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. And I just want to empower as many people as I can, because I love what I get to do, but I, I really get fulfilled when other people realize how special they are and what they have to offer the world, especially when they don't know it. Like sometimes nobody, nobody tells people that they're awesome. It's sad, but I see it. You know, I'll, I'll never forget. I had a, a teacher 
I was at a, I was at a training and I'm talking about Canva or whatever, you know, we're having a good time. And she comes in the room and this other teacher goes, Brian, did you know that Tori has the greatest math lesson? I'm like, Oh, and she says, the kids love it. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, why are kids excited about math? You know, I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm like, what's going on? She goes, it's, she makes a game show out of it. And I said, and so I said, Hey, Tori, is this, tell me more about it. And it seemed pretty appetizing. I was like, I, can I bring my phone in there? I want to capture this. And so I bring my phone in there with permission, captured her game show of math. And there's like a spinning wheel. She has a microphone and the students can't wait to get up to share and take chances and even mess up. And so I film all this. I do some narration. I put it online. I put, I put it in my Buff Nuggets newsletter. It goes out to about 2000 people. You know what this does? This right here, this lets Tori know she's doing something that she may have thought was just standard. Bo, no, it's not standard. This is phenomenal. This is worth shouting from the mountaintops. And as a leader, I, w- I want to do that as much as possible. And so I, I try my very, just kind of like Andrew, like you're doing to me today. You, you're saying, Brian, you have something to offer the world. I saw you at this conference. Be on my podcast. That empowers me. And I want, I want to do the same for teachers, especially teachers, because their world is tough and they're sitting at lunch with their kids. I don't sit at lunch with kids. I'm just going to be just real upfront about this. And so we got to love, spotlight, showcase our teachers, let them know they're appreciated. It gives me goosebumps just hearing you say that. I could not have landed any more at the heart of you know, we're always about a number of things, but that's certainly it for me, Brian, is that I love being able to be a part of this effort with this podcast because uh, I'm with you there. I get so sick of all the negative narratives that are out there about education and the like wobbling over things that pale in comparison to the amazing work that goes on when our classroom teachers are in front of kids. Uh, and then in all the leadership levels of, and support and systems that are around that with the great people that are there. And the more that we can make space to bring those folks out, to share their story, to f- help them feel recognized, motivate them to continue to move forward uh, with the great things they're doing every single day and feel supported and, and seen in that. Let's do it, man. I, I'm all, yeah. all about it. And this is one avenue that I am continually inspired by uh, as more folks come on, share what they're doing with us in Nebraska, Georgia. Canada, where <laughs> around the world, wherever uh, we are a part of something so much bigger than ourselves too, and so it's great to connect around that. And gosh, you know, I, I was we're kind of winding down on time here, Brian, and I was like, we're gonna need a little bit of a, a call to action or a wrap up. But I, that that really speaks to my heart. That's what it's all about, man. Message. Yeah, and then let's let's take it let's take it one more level down, and then we can we can wrap it up, Andrew. Good. No, go ahead. So when I did this presentation, you were there at that conference. I ended with my most important aspect of empowering others. And that is the end goal, which is students. And I was on Instagram. It was last week. And I saw this, uh, this principal, he posted this and I've, I've done some work with him at a conference or something. And it was this video and the kids walk in, there's a kid playing drums in the hallway. As the kids walk into school, there's a drum set, not like a little snare. I'm talking like a full, like rock on bam, 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 bam. And you may have to adjust the volume on that one because I just got crazy on my mic, but he's just going and kids are just walking by and they're watching him. And he's like, tss, 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 just rocking out. 
And then he posted another picture of a, of a student who's at the district meeting who's DJing. He's de- like, he has, these are elementary school students, by the way. And he has like his own branding. He's got his little table and he's DJing as principals are coming in for the district meeting. He's like, yeah, I'm DJ, you know, Brian B coming, you know, coming at you, you know, he's doing all the things. And I was like, this is why we do this. We as educators, I want to empower students to do the same things that I want educators to do and leaders to do. And that's to take chances. I call it do things that can't be Googled. And what, what this principal gave his students was an authentic audience. Like these are your peers. And that's, that's a whole nother 50 gallon drum of buff magic. And that's when our students realize that they, they have something to offer the world. And it's not just a selfie on Instagram. It's not just whatever they see value in. Um, it's there's other many things that, that students can contribute to our society and to their homes and to our schools. And Anytime a teacher lets students make podcasts, I get pumped up. I had one who made a podcast for Veterans Day. They interviewed veterans. I'm like, this is a win-win. We're empowering students. We're empowering veterans. We're empowering our community by sharing stories of veterans told by students. And Andrew, that's what I got today, man. That's That's just a little sneak preview of this event I'm going to be having for AESA coming up. And I'll go ahead and talk about it. You Andrew, know, you want I, to go ahead and talk about it? I think you should go ahead and talk about it, Brian. That's where we're at right now. Your call to action as a listener here. If you'd like to learn more about uh, Ed Leadership uh, and be a part of some more stories and some some great learning opportunities with Brian and ASA, uh, tell us more about it. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, so it's again, it's, it's going to be on March 23rd. It is for AESA members. I'm not sure the fee structure, all those things. You have to go to their website. Check that out. But it is a, a special group they have of people who work at smaller RISAs. They call it small staff community of practice. It's usually with staff less than 50 people. Um, it'll be a 60-minute Zoom. I'm going to be on there. I'm, I'm, I'm just excited to speak with them. And, and I'll, I'll mention some similar stories, but also have some other content. I can't wait to get out there. And if you want to sign up, you just go to the AESA website, which I don't have it in front of me, but I'm sure you could find it. We can put it in the show notes. We will. We'll uh, make sure that that stuff's successful there. And uh, and shout out to AESA, too, for the conference and the work that they do uh, in uniting us in opportunities to, uh, I, I get to meet Brian at a conference. Yeah, and then man. we get to like continue to learn from him through uh, you know a session like this, uh, which leads to podcast collaboration. And, and who knows where it goes, right? But it's great that uh, AESA is always actively out there making space for us to just grow grow together. Yeah. And I, I'm already, I've already grown. Since that conference, already communicated with other people at different different organizations, Reese's across the country, kind of starting starting to spread a little bit of the so the buff magic across the, the nation because an AES, AESA was like really a conduit for that. Well, Brian, thank you for bringing your energy, your advice, insights, uh, comments on leadership, and for bringing the buff magic to the Good Life Edu podcast today. So grateful to have you on. I hope that we have you back in soon. My pleasure. Thanks, Andrew. 